the parents owe Brittany a big thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Brittany. Would you bow with me once more as we enter God's word? Father, thank you for this provision of spiritual bread that is your word. Thank you that by it we have everything we need. And we pray that this morning, as we dive into it once more, that you would continue to cultivate within us a truly thankful spirit to you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Begin this morning with a story of a large German shepherd dog who watched, walked into a butcher shop all by itself carrying a purse in his mouth. Now, this large German shepherd dog with a purse in his mouth walked in, sat down on, the, on his haunches in front of the meat case, and looked up expectantly at the butcher as if to say, I would like to place an order. Well, the butcher looked down at this proper dog standing by himself in front of him and asked, What is it, boy? What would you like? The butcher asked jokingly, Do you want to buy some meat? Woof! barked the dog, nodding his head up and down. Hmm, thought the butcher. Well, what kind of meat would you like? Sausage? Bacon? Steak? Woof! Again, barked the dog, interrupting, again nodding his head at the mention of steak. Well, what kind of steak and how much would you like? Uh, half a pound? Uh, one pound? Woof! Barked the dog. Again, the nod of the head. Now the butcher is thoroughly impressed. This dog knew what he wanted. And so as the, the butcher is wrapping up the steak, the dog then picks up the purse off the ground, jumps up, and drops it down on the counter. Inside the purse, the butcher found exactly the right amount of money for a pound of steak. As the dog left the store, the now thoroughly impressed butcher decided he had to follow this dog. He had to find out who did this incredibly intelligent dog belong to. And so he followed the dog and it, it soon entered an apartment building and climbed up to the third floor and began scratching at a door there. Then, finally, the door swung open and an angry man started shouting at the dog, Can't you do anything right? And began berating the dog for being a, a foolish dog who couldn't do anything right. And finally, the butcher couldn't handle it anymore and he shouted out, Stop! That's the most intelligent animal I've ever seen. Intelligent, replied the man. It's the third time this week he forgot the key. <laughs> now, isn't it true that some people are impossible to please? Here he's got the smartest dog in the world, and he's angry because he has to open the door for him. Now, Martin Luther wrote in his book, Table Talk, he wrote this. We exhibit a degree of thanksgiving in life in reverse proportion to the amount of blessings we've received. The greater God's gifts and works, the less they are regarded. Now, I've often reflected on this quote by Martin Luther, and I found it to be true. A hungry man is much more thankful for the food on his plate than a rich man who is heavily laden table is filled with a buffet. A lonely woman in a nursing home is far more appreciative of a visit than the popular woman who has a party thrown in her honor. A Christian in China who after many years finally gets their own Bible 
is much more thankful for that one book than we are for all the many Bibles, commentaries, Christian books, and magazines that literally overflow our libraries and bookshelves. The poet Ralph Waldo Emerson observed that if the stars appeared for only one night every 1,000 years, imagine what an exciting event that would be. Every single person who possibly could would be outside staring up at those stars in sheer wonder. But because they're there every single night, we barely give them a second glance. Now, what these men are pointing out is the fundamental flaw of ingratitude that is ingrained within sinful human nature. Ingratitude, it's, it's carved right in there along with our sinful human nature. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 highlights it for us. The Apostle Paul wrote, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So men knew God, but would not give thanks to him. Now we see an example of this play out during the Israelites wandering in the wilderness in Numbers chapter 11 which we had read for us earlier. And again, I encourage you to turn there with me this morning. Numbers 11. And there I want to highlight for you verses 4 to 6, which we also saw in our children's video. Beginning in verse 4. One day some worthless foreigners among the Israelites became greedy for food, and even the Israelites themselves began moaning. We don't have any meat. In Egypt we could eat all the fish we wanted. And there were cucumbers, melons, onions, and garlic. But we're starving out here, and the only food we have is this manna. Now, we know that this manna was, in fact, God's miraculous provision of food for the entire nation. They found this lying in with the dew every single morning, six days of the week. And on the seventh, of course, was the Sabbath, so they had a double portion stored away on the sixth day. And so here we have this incredible, miraculous provision. Literally, all that is standing between them and starvation is the manna. But rather than thanking God for what they did have in this miraculous provision, rather than thanking him for what they did have, they took the manna entirely for granted. And they began complaining about what they didn't have. In fact, their lack of gratitude for the manna led to a sense of entitlement for more. They reasoned that since God was the one who had led them up out of Egypt, that in a sense he owed them. He owed them a full course buffet complete with a salad bar and all the things mentioned in the verses. They wanted it all. They felt like God owed it to them. Verse 22, later on in the story, An exasperated Moses correctly identifies that entitlement in the people when he asks God. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? We see clearly here that with Israel, they were lacking gratitude for what God was already providing. And this led to a sense of entitlement for more. But even if more were provided, as Moses pointed out, even if all the fish in the sea were caught for them, would that still be enough? When would enough be enough? Well, the fact is, with their attitude, it would never be enough. If God gave one thing, then they would ask for another. 
And if he gave that, they would ask for another, and it would never end the sense of entitlement demanding more from God. Now, it's really easy here, of course, to pick on those old Israelites, isn't it? They're always getting everything wrong, wandering around the wilderness, and it's very fun and easy for us to pick out all of their faults, because, well, there are many. But we got to stop and remember, the scripture is a mirror. It's a mirror to ourselves, and we have to look in that mirror and recognize that much of what Israel did, we find in ourselves as well. Because how often don't we do similar things? How often don't we take God's daily provisions for granted and yet still keep on asking him for more as though he somehow owed it to us? Well, here's the hard truth this morning. God owes us nothing. God owes us nothing other than the justice that our sins deserve. That's all that God truly owes us. And so everything good, everything Um, bountiful that we have received in our lives is not because God owed it to us. He's given it to us as a gift of love and mercy because that's who he is. It's a mercy from God, everything good that we have, including the food on our plate every single day. But do we see it? Do we appreciate it? Helen Keller the woman who famously lived her entire life both blind and deaf. She once said this, I have often thought it would be a blessing if each human being were stricken blind and deaf for just a few days at some time during his early adult life. It would make him much more appreciative of sight and the joys of sound. Isn't that a thought? If we had to go just two or three days both blind and deaf, and then it were all to come back to us, how much more appreciation do you think you would have after that experience? Just to be able to see, as Henry pointed out earlier, just even have your seeing improved is a joy. Imagine having lost it entirely and then receiving it back. Or or the ability to hear. We heard beautiful music here this morning. We participated in singing. We couldn't hear it. And suddenly, it's all there again. How much more appreciation wouldn't we have? And so let me ask you, when's the last time that you stopped to look up at the stars in sheer wonder and worship the one who hung those stars in place? When's the last time you felt overwhelming gratitude that you can own and read your very own Bible? How about that you have good food on the table and still more stored away in the root cellar and in the freezer and in the pantry. Oh, and there's a grocery store down the street too. We have all of these things. How about, as I just said, when's the last time you thank God for the simple fact that you can see and you can hear? Now, in saying all of this, it's a mirror to myself as well. And I'll admit that I'm not always as grateful for these things as I ought to be. It was just over a month ago that a Saturday morning project for myself was installing our new dishwasher. Now, seeing as the new dishwasher was the same basic design as the old dishwasher, (coughs) I figured replacing it would be an hour tops. And so I set about taking out the old one, putting in the new one, and as I estimated, it took me just about an hour. Perfect. So I had it hooked up and I started it up for its maiden voyage, its test run, and I left the kitchen for a few minutes. 
I came back to find, of course, a puddle on the floor. Well, sure enough, I got to pull it back out, examine what's going on, and sure enough, the old drain hose that, that I just rehooked back up, well, it needed replacing. So this resulted in my first trip to the hardware store. Emphasis on first. After that, I discovered that the old corroded fittings underneath the sink that went over to the dishwasher, they'd also started leaking, and so they needed replacing. This resulted in my second trip to the hardware store. Well, without getting into all of the details, one thing led to the next and to the next, and by my third trip to the hardware store, I was getting a little bit embarrassed. And so on my fourth trip to the hardware store, I went to the other hardware store, (laughs) which is also where I went for my fifth and final trip. (laughs) Well, by now, it's 5.30, The one-hour job that I'd started in the morning has now taken up most of my entire day. The hardware stores are closed, and I had replaced roughly half of my kitchen plumbing. And after all of that, I still had a leak. (laughs) Later that evening, you can ask Leanne about this, she caught me just sitting on the couch, glaring at the dishwasher. (laughs) It had defeated me. I could not go to the hardware store for another time, and and I was upset about it. I was upset. I put all that work into it, and it still wasn't complete. But you know what? With a little bit of time to stop and think about it all, I had to ask myself, how blessed am I to be able to own a dishwasher? How blessed am I to have a home to put that dishwasher in? How blessed am I to have not one, but two hardware stores to get plumbing parts from? Or even a third if I wanted to. How blessed am I to have dirty dishes to put in that dishwasher, which means that I have more than enough food to eat? How blessed am I then to have a jack-of-all-trades father who the very next day is able to come down, help diagnose, and stop that leak? And you see, once I get on this train of thought, Once I stopped focusing solely on what was going wrong and start reminding myself of the many, many things going right, well, then that list begins to just pile up, and it goes on and on and on. You see, true thanksgiving has a multiplying effect. Pastor Martha Grable Rowlett, she wrote something that I found to be quite profound. I've read it to myself many times over. She wrote this. It has been said that a thankful person tastes joy twice. Once when it happens, and again when gratitude is expressed to God for the joy. A thankful person tastes joy twice. And to that I would like to add, there is no limit to how many times we can remember God's provisions and taste the joy of it again and again and again as we remember and as we express gratitude to God for it once more. The psalmist was on the same train of thought in chapter 9, verse 1, when he wrote, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. That expresses a thought of not just once, but many times over, remembering, recounting what God has done. So let me ask you, 
Is there a limit to the number of times that you can recount God's free gift of salvation and express thanks for it? How many times can we go back and thank Christ for the cross? It never loses its impact, does it? We go back again and again and again. Is there a limit to the number of times that my whole heart will burst with thankfulness when I remember that Jesus' death has paid for my sin debt in full, not just in part? There's no limit to it. And heaven, I believe, will ring for that reason for all of eternity. It will ring with thanksgiving to God for all of his wonderful deeds because they will be recounted again and again and again, and the sheer joy of heaven will multiply it beyond our comprehension. However, this act of multiplying our joy by living in a constant state of thankfulness to God does not happen all on its own. As I said earlier, there is a flaw in our human nature because of sin. And that flaw is that living in a constant state of thankfulness to God does not happen automatically. It does not happen by default. It must be learned, rehearsed, and practiced constantly, again and again. Let me give you just a small snapshot that all parents will understand. When I go into co-op and we go by the deli, what's the first thing the kids are going to ask for that they know is behind there? Cookie, that's right. Now, that cookie is a gift. Co-op does not owe it to those children. Co-op does not have to provide those free cookies for the children. Would the kids know that, though? Would they think that way? No. Co-op has given them a cookie one time. Co-op owes them a cookie every time. They're entitled to it. And so if I go there, the oldest one is getting pretty good at this. The younger one, oh, he can't hear me right now. He still needs to work on it. Theo, what do you say? Oh, thanks. Right? It's simple. They don't owe him that cookie. But to remember to say thanks is a difficult thing for him. I, as a father, must train and teach him and remind him again and again and again. Say thank you for something that was given to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Apostle Paul writes, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, have you ever wondered what God's will is for your life? We all have, of course. Well, here it is. His will for you is to be thankful in all circumstances. So does that mean God wants me to be thankful in spite of all of that white stuff on the ground and that big pile over there? Am I still supposed to be thankful in these circumstances? Does that mean that God expects me to be thankful if I don't like who's elected on October 21st? Am I still supposed to be thankful then? Or what about, am I still supposed to be thankful if I go back home and discover that my dishwasher is leaking again? Am I still supposed to be thankful? Well, you see, the fact is, even the smallest of trying circumstances can test our thankfulness. But what about when something really big happens? The end of a relationship, a serious illness, the sudden death of a loved one, or some other large disaster? Is it still God's will that I be thankful in all of those circumstances? Well, in a word, yes. I want you to take note that the Apostle Paul did not say to give thanks for all circumstances. 
He said to give thanks in all circumstances. There's a key difference. We don't have to be thankful for the snow on the ground. But in there being snow on the ground, are we still to be thankful to God? Absolutely. You see, though not all of life's circumstances are good, in all our circumstances, God is still good. And when we recount his goodness, when we remember his salvation, we can still give thanks to him no matter what circumstances this life and our enemy might throw our way. The fable is told of a man who found a barn where Satan stored his weed seeds. And in this barn were the weed seeds that he would sow into the human heart alongside the good soil or the good seed of God's word. And this man soon discovered in looking through all of Satan's weed seeds that the seeds of discouragement were far more numerous than all the others. And he learned that those seeds could be made to grow almost anywhere. But when Satan was later questioned about them, he reluctantly admitted that there was one place in which he could never get the weed seeds of discouragement to thrive. And where is that? asked the man. To which Satan replied, in the heart of a truly thankful person. You see, regularly exercising thankfulness to God is one of the very best defenses against letting discouragement take root in your heart. You know, right now we can look at that snow and we can think of those crops underneath it and we can get discouraged. We can feel down. But it helps to remember that in this circumstance, God is still good. And not only is God still good, but he is still working for our good. Romans 8.28 tells us, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Again, in all things, all circumstances, God is working for the good of his children. You see, God is the absolute master of bringing about redemption through the most difficult and unlikely of circumstances. He is simply an expert. In Genesis chapters 37 to 50, we remember the story of Joseph, a promising young man whose life was thrown into turmoil as just a teenager when his jealous half-brothers, they're resentful of the favoritism their father showed towards him, resentful of the, the coat of many colors. They take him, they rip that coat off him, they throw him in a pit, they finally sell him into slavery. Then there in a foreign nation, just as he has earned his master's trust, he's falsely accused of a crime, thrown into prison, where he's forgotten and left to rot. There in this whole, this place of of complete injustice, it would seem like God had completely forgotten about Joseph. Where was he to allow all of this to happen year after year? Injustice upon injustice. But had God forgotten Joseph? Had God forgotten about Joseph when his brothers threw him in that pit? Had God forgotten about Joseph when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and then falsely accused Joseph of attacking her? Had God forgotten Joseph when then Pharaoh's cupbearer had his dream interpreted but then forgot to put in a good word for him after being released from prison? Had God forgotten? No. Absolutely not. In fact, God not only remembered Joseph in all of those things, he was intimately involved in every one of those details. 
He was intimately involved in every circumstance to bring about God's purpose and to bless Joseph in the end. For many, many years after all those injustices and hardships had passed, Joseph was able to look back on his life and in the presence of his brothers, the very ones who had thrown him in a pit, sold him into slavery, tricked their father into believing that he'd been killed by wild animals in the presence of those same brothers, he's able to say to them, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so that I could save the lives of many people. And so Joseph would agree that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So how about you today? Do you agree? Do you agree that in all things, even the ones that we would say are the absolute worst, God is still working for our good? That choice is always before us. We can choose to be like Israel who took God's daily provisions for granted, complain about them, and even feel entitled to demand more. Or we can choose to be like Josh, like Joseph, who in every trying circumstance continued to trust and to be thankful to God, and in the end was able to look back on it all and recognize that God was in fact bringing about good, not only for himself, but the saving of his entire family, and an entire nation. So what will your choice be? It was Christmas Eve and Dr. Leandra Lynch was stuck working the night shift in the emergency room. As the newest doctor at her hospital, she had the last choice of shifts, and so she got the ones no one else wanted, which of course included Christmas Eve. Well, that Christmas Eve, it was 9 p.m., and an older man was admitted into the hospital with severe chest pains. Dr. Lynch immediately recognized that he was having a serious heart attack. She began aggressive treatments immediately. She checked on him and cared for him through that night, and eventually he was stabilized. Later tests showed that due to receiving such prompt treatment, that the permanent damage to his heart was limited, and he was able to leave in good health. Well, that very next year, Dr. Lynch was once again stuck working the night shift on Christmas Eve. Then, to her surprise, at 9 p.m., an elderly couple entered the emergency ward carrying a beautifully wrapped present. They handed it to Dr. Lynch, and the gentleman said, You may not remember me, but I am Mr. Lee. Exactly one year ago, you saved my life. And so my wife and I came, and we wanted to say, Thank you. Well, that very next Christmas Eve at 9 p.m., the Lees again returned with another gift and a hug for Dr. Lynch. They looked forward to seeing her again in a year's time, they said. And they did. Year after year, Christmas Eve at exactly 9 p.m., the Lynches returned, starting a new tradition. And for that very reason, Dr. Lynch freely chose to work on Christmas Eve as she so looked forward to their visits, to their gifts, and to their hugs. They became like a second family to Dr. Lynch. Many years later, 13 years in a row, in fact, that they faithfully visited that emergency ward, Mr. Lee passed away. And following his death, Dr. Lynch and her family started a new tradition of their own. Every year on Christmas Eve at exactly 9 p.m., they ring a small crystal bell, which was one of the gifts for Mr. Lee. 
And in ringing that small crystal bell, they toasted the memory of the man who never once forgot to be grateful, and so multiplied his and everyone else's joy many, many times over. You see, to remember is to be thankful, and to be thankful is to taste joy twice. And I challenge you this Thanksgiving to think back over your life, think back over this past year, and remember and recount the ways, the times that God has blessed you, and thank him for it once more. And then don't only keep that to yourself, don't only keep that taste of joy personal, you get to share that with others and multiply that joy. Tell your God stories to others today and in the days to come. For by sharing your gratitude, you will multiply your joy to others. And so magnify and multiply the glory that our Lord receives. Amen. Heavenly Father, today as we have recounted the many, many ways that you have blessed us, Lord, in all circumstances, you are blessing us. Even with a foot of snow and more on the ground, you are blessing us. And we thank you for that, that we can count your goodness in all things. Just as Joseph did, looking back on his life, recognizing your faithful hand in every detail. And so today, Lord, we simply acknowledge you. We thank you. And we pray that we would remember to recount your many blessings. And that as we do, we will get to taste the joy of your provision once more. And that as we share it with others, they will be able to share in that joy, so multiplying it and magnifying your glory. We thank you that you are such a good God, such a good Father. And we love you. And we pray, Lord, that today we would truly be a thankful people. In Jesus' name, amen.